you're tuned into Toby Talks, episode 31. Let's talk about a real nurse of Bravo. Tanya Sam talks nursing, business, and tech startup. So many nurses are wondering how can we get more involved in the technology scene. And to be honest, we already are involved in the technology scene. If you are working in any healthcare setting, period, as a nurse, you are involved in technology. I mean, think about it. The devices that we're using to take care of our patients, the systems that we're using to document their health records. Come on, man. We so versed in technology, we don't even know it. But let me tell you one thing. What I do know is that we need more advice on how we can really get in, especially if we have ideas that can help transform healthcare as a whole. My guest today is giving us all the gems on how to go from RN to getting inside the tech startup. I'm talking business, I'm talking coding, I'm talking everything. And what I love so much about her, not only is she smiling and giving us Tanya time on the Real Housewives of Atlanta, she really is behind the scenes hustling and bustling as a businesswoman hitting hard in technology. Y'all, I'm so excited about this conversation. I hope you got your pens, pads, scratch that i hope you got this app downloaded so you don't have to use a pen and pad because all the gems she's dropping you're gonna want to have it on speed dial okay let's go ahead and hop into this conversation i am so excited to have you on toby talks how are you Hi, Toby. Good, good. I'm happy to be here. Well, virtually here, I should say. (laughs) (laughs) Girl, with with technology, we can be everywhere. So I'm so excited to have you. So let's go ahead and just hop into this conversation. Girl, tell me, like, how did you get into nursing? And like, what are you currently doing now? Oh, wow. Okay, great question. And I always try to say long story short, but with me, I'm such a talker. It's always a long story. I got you. I got you. Try to be brief. (laughs) But um, yeah, I actually like come from like a family uh, that's always been really focused on healthcare, um, medicine, et cetera. My dad's a doctor. He Mm -hmm. came to Canada. My dad's Canadian. He came to Canada in 1960, like one or two, mm-hmm. um, on a med school scholarship. So yeah, he came directly from Ghana. He was like one of the recipients of like, um, uh, Kwame Nkrumah, who was sending these Ghanaians out into the world. So that's how he, um, came to Canada and he's been an OB guy in Toronto, you know, for years. Mm-hmm. He just retired. He's 80 now. What? And he met my mom. Yeah. He's 80. He's old. Like my dad is old school. Um, so, yeah, he met my mom. She was a nurse. Like, they met through friends, a little mm-hmm. um, five-foot-two white lady, English white lady from the U.K., and she had come to Canada um, to nurse. Just she was, I mean, back at that time, it wasn't exactly travel nursing. Um, they met in the early 70s. But, mm-hmm. yeah, so, and, you know, everyone around me was really, like, I grew up in the type of family to say, you know, with this African influence that was very much like, you have to be a doctor, you have to be a lawyer, you girl, have to be Girl, you only get an an engineer, um, girl, okay. something with money. <laughs> something with money. And, you know, I completely appreciate it because I really, truly grew up in the type of family where, especially, like, with immigrant parents, like, mm-hmm. they were all professional immigrants. So there was never a question of would you or would you not go to university of this? Like my dad's family back in Ghana were civil servants. My mom, my grandmother uh, was a nurse, like, you know, in England, like way back in the day. So it was never a question in our family of what you would do. Mm-hmm. It was kind of which degree were you going to choose? Mm. Um, so I assumed, and my older sister, um, my older brother went to law school. My sister, um, she decided to be 
go to med school. And she was about nine years older than me. So, you know, I always looked up to her. But I was watching her go through med school. And I was like, man, this sucks. This just does not look fun, you know. Mm. Yeah, and um, I went to McGill University to do my undergrad, and I did genetics and cell biology. So I started researching. Um, this was like, guys, I'm kind of old. I'm 40. Um, so Girl, I was there. Did not crack. You look 23. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I say that. I say the timing of it because it's kind of interesting to the story because you think about the power of computing over those years. So I went into McGill, like, let me think, was it 97? And so when I was doing genetics, I mean, we didn't have, you know, powerful iPhones in our pockets. Like, we would be doing runs and tests, and it would take weeks to get, like, you know, I mean, we were sequencing wow. a genome on, That's like, true. yeah, it was very different. It was very different. And now, like, we underestimate, like, this little iPhone in our in our pocket that mm-hmm. does everything. Um, click. Yeah, yeah, it was very interesting. So I really, really loved it. I did a lot of research, but I also realized you know, once I finished that and I started researching and I was deciding, you know, I'm, you know, writing the MCAT and doing all that. And I was like, I really don't want to go to med school. And I had a lot of really amazing people in my life, aunt and my sister as well, who were like, do nursing, do nursing, like just do it. And I was like, oh, okay. So I did, um, I went to you, I applied to U of P and I did one of their accelerated combined, um, bachelor of science nursing programs for mm-hmm. people who had already had a degree. So, and I loved it. Like, I really loved it. Um, I thought I was going to be a pediatric nurse, you know, and I really focused my whole time in nursing school, all my uh, clinicals on peds. And then for my last um, final clinical, they were like, look, you've taken up all the ped spots. I'm putting you in something else. And I, like, fought and hollered. They're like, too bad. And I ended up in oncology. And I thought my life was going to be ruined because I was like, you are ruining my plan to greatness as a pediatric (laughs) nurse. (laughs) Right. And I ended up loving oncology. I never looked back. And yeah, that's that's where I started. I did a small stint in public health. But yeah, predominantly throughout my career, I've done um, oncology nursing. So how was that impact for you? Because I mean, obviously, you went to school in Canada. So when you yeah. actually were doing nursing in the US, what was different? What What differences did you see between those two, the two different countries? Oh, okay. Good question. I'll start with, I mean, for me, especially because the Canadian healthcare system is so different, right? Like we have this all-inclusive healthcare system. Mm -hmm. And then when I moved to New York, I um, moved, I was working on a, um, at Sloan Kettering and New York Presbyterian, Mm -hmm. um, which are amazing, amazing research facilities, you know, and great city of New York. But it was the first time I really understood what it meant to have like all-inclusive healthcare. Like, my patients would come and they would get a bill for Tylenol. Do you know how much Tylenol costs in the U.S. Girl, yes. for an inpatient? It's disrespectful. It's like, it's like $28 for two tablets. Mm-hmm. That's at least and like you know, five bottles yes. at Walmart. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. You see this and you're like, this makes no sense. Why mm-hmm. am I paying? I mean, and that's like, and people wonder why your healthcare bills add up to 300000 for like, you know, a bone marrow, not even a bone marrow transplant. But so that was really interesting to me because, you know, watching the, watching patients go through, you know, um, bone marrow transplants of hemia lymphoma in Canada where they didn't have the stress of going, oh my gosh, what if my insurance runs out? What if I can't pay for this? Mm-hmm. What if, and seeing like the bills roll in at your home in these thick envelopes, 
Wow. I think, you know, I just really think that impacts your ability to heal and really process and fight a disease like that. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you're taking care of patients that they're trying to focus on yeah. their care, but they're still th- focusing on, am I going to be able to f- afford this? So that puts oh. you like in a really like tight situation as a nurse, because you want them to focus on getting better, but they can't because yeah. they're dealing with the stress of financially paying for this when they're are, when oh, they yeah, are trying yeah. to get better. Wow. Did the care in itself change for you? Do you feel like there was any kind of differences in the care that you delivered versus, you know, the situation that you're seeing patients go through, but the actual care delivery? So I would say by the time, um, let's see, I moved to the U.S., I'm really horrible numbers. It was probably 2006, 2007. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, when I started there in New York, we were doing um, the, so for instance, when you would do a transplant, you would probably stay inpatient in hospital for, you know, a month at mm-hmm. least. We kept people, they were sending everybody home. So that to me was really shocking. They're like, yep, you're better off on at home. You know, we're going to do your chemo, your chemo as outpatient. You're going to go home. You're going to come back. Um, we, we, you know, we were keeping people um, in isolation last, but we would definitely do, um, yeah, we would do, we would do most of our chemotherapy completely inpatient. Mm-hmm. So I think we were a little bit ahead. Um, hmm. we were a little bit ahead in the U S in terms of, but I think that also factors into the economics of it yeah. because if you have to keep a patient, you know, inpatient for a month or you can send them home, there's a huge cost savings there. Yep. That's so true. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So how long were you doing bedside before you transitioned into like full technology or are you still balancing uh, both right now? Um, I, you know, was bedside nursing for maybe 12 years. I just recently gave it up. Um, I worked when I moved to Atlanta, I got a job at Northside. I was working in their, um, um, outpatient infusion clinic. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of balancing a little bit of this. I started a company, my first company, um, and Paul was just starting a company. So we Mm -hmm. were kind of doing a little bit of everything. And that part was really hard for me because um, I actually still had a job back in New New York. So I was Mm. doing per diem. You know how we do. Yeah, yes. We got about seven jobs at the same time. Yes, (laughs) yes, yes. Um, so that part was tough because, you know, I was launching this company and nursing is like all hands on deck. Like you can't just go take a call, you know, in the med room and like answer emails, like, especially on our floor, like we were just running all the time. So it got to the point where, you know, I had to really decide, um, if I could continue to do like my hours that required me to keep per diem and balance like this company that I was starting. I was helping Paul start a company. It was, it was insane. It was good insane, but I loved it. So I would say total like ooh, 12, 13 years. It was fast. Come on. Yes. And yeah, you know what's so it funny? So I just recently watched um, the last episodes of the Real Housewives of Atlanta where uh, I forgot her, Shamara, where she threw up on herself. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. saw you hop in there. I said, that's a nurse. Look at that nurse. Look at her. Go. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that was actually hilarious. Because, so I mean, awesome. let's be fair. We were a little drinky, drinky that day. We're all having cocktails. But it just goes to show, like, we don't even blink. Like, we don't even blink. You blew. I was literally looking at her pupils because I was actually worried. 
<laughs> you were low-key assessing her and cleaning up. Like, hey, girl, Absolutely. you know, we got you. Da, 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 da. You're like, oh, it's okay. I was like, that's an, a nurse always stays calm in any situation where it's chaotic. And you, out of everyone in that whole situation, you were so, like, calm. And I was like, that is a nurse. Good God. Go ahead, yep. Tom. You better represent yeah. for us. <laughs> I totally was like, oh my God. But actually it was, I, at the time I was genuinely a little concerned because she was, you know, she, you know, she was really like, I'm just going to sleep. Like I'm done guys. So mm-hmm. Well, let me go ahead and just, I went through that out there, throw that out there and say, shout out to you for being an awesome nurse and representing for us. Um, but hopping mm-hmm. back in the conversation, I actually wanted to talk more about the whole transition of starting your company and actually diving into technology. So um, even for me, you know, I, you know, had my experience working as a pediatric nurse, then mother, baby, NICU, and then I transitioned into administration. And then now, oh, wow. Girl, yeah, that's what I'm still saying. Like, wow, how'd I get here? But, um, and it's, <laughs> we don't really see a lot of women of color like us, a lot of uh, millennials um, and women just in general in the administration role. But now, um, now with my podcast and really trying to get more involved into the technology conference and showcasing things that are happening in healthcare, I don't see a lot of us women of color in that space. So I was mm-hmm. so drawn to you seeing like, wow, as a nurse, you are also, so involved in technology how did that come about like how did you know like wow or how did like where did you make that shift into saying i want to know more about technology before you even got to the part of launching your own business um i had to give a lot of credit to i didn't have a huge introduction to be honest with technology like Mm -hmm. in my family and which is also i think one of the big reasons i went on the show because you know, I really came from a background that was very educated, but, you know, it was like, hey, you've only, here's only four things. So I only saw like four choices of what we should be. They were darn yeah. good choices. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, it, it's interesting because you even said, okay, go into engineering. For some reason in my like family group and peers and my parents' peers, there weren't too many female engineers. So nobody mm-hmm. was saying, hey, go to, go do consumer, go do, you know, computer science or anything like that. I had male cousins who were civil engineers. Yeah. But they just, nobody told me that. So, you know, when I come back to thinking people always ask me, why do you do the show? I mean, this was a big deal for me because I do feel like, you know, the future is technology and Mm -hmm. I wanted to be able to portray, you know, to other women and people of color that there is a future for them in tech. But if you don't see it anywhere else, why would you even dream that up you know exactly wow yeah um so that was kind of I think one of the big reasons why I went on the show but for me you know I found mentors in really interesting places and one of them happened to be like my partner and now fiance Mm -hmm. my sister just before this when I had just started um um, when I just, I'd actually spent a bunch of time in Ghana. I was just about to move to Ghana and, um, my sister got involved because she's an MD as well with this early stage electronic medical records company. Mm. It was right around the time when, yeah, everyone was doing it. And I was like, what's that? Huh? I don't really know. But she was kind of messing around with that. And so we were starting to talk about this. I was like, oh, this is really interesting. Um, and then I actually started dating Paul. Mm-hmm. And I say this because you know, I think for women, we're, and you know, even for me, people are always saying like, can you mentor me? Can you mentor me? There's nobody that looks like me. And I yeah. believe that fully. There's not a lot of people so you know, true. in technology that will probably, that probably look like you. And I think so even more than that, 
I tell people, look, you got to find a mentor where you can, and probably they won't look like you. So mine happens to be a male, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it was, we actually started off like completely romantically dating, but if you ever date an entrepreneur or a founder, like there's no division of church and state, (laughs) there just isn't, um, because it's so all encompassing. So he was building, um, his, uh, this is probably, that was probably his third cybersecurity company. And probably on our second date, he said, oh, can we take a detour? And he had to meet with his co-founder. So I was sitting there at the table listening to them talk, and I was just enthralled. I was like, wow, you guys are going to do what? With your PhD research, blah, blah. And I was just like, wow. And, you know, I just nerded out, and it was super cool. I think some people would be like, man, this date sucks. (laughs) But I was like, whoa, this is kind of cool. And so he was very instrumental in kind of helping me – get over my fear because, you know, I think a lot of women have this as well. A lot of, you know, people who are trying to make a career shift from mm-hmm. something they're traditionally used to. Cause I kept saying, he'd be like, Hey, listen, you know, um, BJ and I are working on this part of, you know, I mean, this is an early stage company. This can we, can you help us do this? And I kept saying like, no, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do that. You guys have PhDs. You guys are more experienced. Yeah. And he would just look me in the eye. He'll be like, you'll figure it out. Which is so You'll true. You'll figure it out. Wow. And it, and I think there's such a lesson in that because, you know, fear is the thing that holds you back. Mm-hmm. Fear and failure. And they are so, like, those are the devils that will hold you back because yeah. if you don't try, you'll never know. And it sounds so cliche, but it is so true when you get to the other side and it's so much more fulfilling because you're like, darn, I tried it. And it worked or darn, I tried it and it didn't work, but I learned so much from it. I'm going to get it right the next time. And it's, it's, you know, informed my business or whatever you're trying to work on. Mm -hmm. So that's really how I got into technology. So I started um, about to pass around a collection plate with all this truth you've given. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So much truth. You know, it's so unlikely. And, you know, the things that I look back in my life, like, you know, they're the ones that you probably didn't plan or, you know, you resisted because you were afraid, but they just push you into something so great and so different. And aren't you really happy that that even happened? Like, and it's funny because your story almost like sounds like mine. That's like literally how I started getting involved with technology because my fiance mm-hmm. at that time, he's yeah. huge in tech and he was living in Canada, ironically enough. Oh, really? And yes. Um, and when we got married, he relocated here, but he was, I just, I never had interest in tech because I was thought like, oh my God, a lot of codes and numbers, blah, blah, blah. And now it's like all of a sudden I've started a podcast and I'm using technology, even in nursing, I'm building like codes on how to like properly do forms mm-hmm. and audits when I'm doing inspections. And I didn't realize how much technology was entwined in our nursing career. Yeah. And you're right. You can't be scared. You literally just have to figure it out. And this whole year I've been figuring out technology and just realizing like, wow, we as nurses need to be so much more involved in this transition because healthcare is transforming so quickly. And I'm, it's like, my fear is like nurses are going to get left out because there's so many different products and there's so many different development and there's so many different things that could help us. And I think that's what just kind of like blew my mind to even even you, like, I'm like, I have to applaud you. Thank you for using a, um, a TV show, a reality show to really be that foundation of 
actually getting to talk about it, you know, and, and showcasing that aspect, because I do not see a lot of women of color um, or in diversity in the tech world. You see a lot of predominantly white males, you know, so to see an African-American male, to see a woman who's not just in technology, but also in healthcare, you know, making that stance, it's a really big deal, you know? Yeah. And I mean, that to me is, you know, the show was one thing and, you know, I feel like it, it's, I mean, it's just an interesting platform because you do, the reach is very broad and I've had so many people. I mean, that is probably one of the biggest gifts of everything that reach out to me that are women, that are nurses. Like I love, like nurses are a crew. Yes. Let me tell you, like, Come on. And I, that is like the one thing I do feel like when people always ask me, oh, do you miss nursing? I absolutely miss bedside nursing. I miss my patients, but I miss my nurse crew, mm-hmm. right? It is like we are soldiers. We go through the trenches together. We, you know, you go into the med room knowing you can complain to someone and they got you. Like, we I mean, together. I have we do everything yeah. on my back. You, I mean, it, it truly is like a tribe, our nurse tribe. No, it you know? is a tribe. Mm. And so that's been really great having so many reach out and being like, Hey, you know, how did you do this? Because it's also really tough. Like the burnout is real. So we look for ways to like, gosh, if I can't, you know, do this forever, is there something else that I can do? And I think, you know, we thought for a long time, I think people just in general, people thought that technology and being in startups and that sort of entrepreneurship was reserved for only people who were technical and knew how to code this mm-hmm. like EE type, you know, and I just think there's places for so much more because, you know, you, you have a, a special knowledge base, right? Mm-hmm. You understand patient side, you understand, you know, interactions between doctors, medicines, this, and you can apply that to any piece of technology. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't mean you necessarily have to be the one to code it. Although I do tell people that's major and to try and pursue pieces of that. But, you know, there's so many ways you can use technology to enable your practice. Yes. And it's just kind of like, you know, all those pain points that we complain about every day. Like, why don't we have this? And, you know, someone comes up with it. That's exactly true. And that's actually why, like, obviously I started this platform for my nurses mm-hmm. who are like burnt out, who don't know that there's so many other professions they can go into. So I interview different women and men who are in different um, positions in nursing, whether you're at the mm-hmm. bedside or you're at a tech company, you know, these are different apps, um, platforms you can go into. But the thing that I'm seeing so much that I really want to make a bigger impact in is a lot of these health technology conferences. You don't see any nurses, you know, very few. Um, and then you have all these nurses with amazing startup ideas or amazing development ideas, um, creating apps, creating different technologies. And it's like, these are what needs to be showcased because nurses, yes, we're at the bedside and we have that patient interaction, but we also know the different things that would work, you know, and giving Mm -hmm. us a voice to actually um, showcase that. So for you, when you actually, you know, started getting a little involved in it and started learning and researching on your own, what kind of... um, what kind of research or abilities did you strengthen yourself on to really start getting more involved in technology? Ooh, okay. So my best advice is, you know, and people always ask, like, how do you make the transition? Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it doesn't have to be that you have to jump into a coding school or a coding program right off the bat, although I think that is a, is imperative. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many resources online right now where people can take introductory coding, learn to code, learn to think like a coder and that sort of thought process. Mm-hmm. Um, a good one I know is Code Academy. Oh, so yeah. there is That's that. Academy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just dabble around in it, you know. Um, number one, I also think if you have kids, 
Um, I tell every parent, and I'm sure there's tons of parents out there listening, your kid should absolutely take a coding class. So if your school doesn't have it, you should like sit them down online and make it mandatory to do. Because Mm -hmm. when I tell you your child in this generation will literally be 10 steps behind if they don't have some semblance of understanding coding, like that is the biggest gap that we will, yeah, if you don't have your kids. So that's number one. Um, but then for other people who are looking to start businesses and they're not technical, I really feel like you have to engross yourself in the startup ecosystem in your town, Mm -hmm. town, city, whatever it is. And which is kind of why, you know, we started tech square Labs. Um, so we opened tech square labs about four years ago. We bought a building right in the heart of Georgia tech because there wasn't actually around that time. It was about five years now. Uh, no, four years. And there wasn't a lot of places where early stage entrepreneurs could go. Mm-hmm. You know, like Atlanta's had some great hits. Like Paul's been very fortunate. We've had some big companies and like, yeah, sure, there's 300 people there. But if you're just two people on a laptop, we didn't have it that the ecosystem was as deep mm-hmm. at that time. Um, and that, I think, was really major because, you know, you you walk into a Starbucks nowadays, you walk into all these places where everyone's working on your laptop. But, you know, the guy beside you is watching, like, Star Wars streaming, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And you should be sitting down beside someone who you could turn to and be like, listen, I'm working on my go-to-market. Does this sound crazy? Yeah. You know, blah, blah, blah. I want to ask you, like, what's a P&L? Like, does this investor deck look like? The, you want people who speak your language. Yeah. And you need to learn that language. And where better to learn it? In co-working places, in startup systems, startup ecosystems, um, you know, going to meetups. Like, huge it is huge. a process and you, mm-hmm. exactly and i think you really need to like put yourself in that ecosystem and it involves networking because um and toby like i told you tell me if i talk too much cut in on me girl oh um, honey you were good what you mean girl i'm sitting here with my tea like mm-hmm, girl, come on yes. <laughs> give me the gems this is the gems like, we need yeah I want people to like understand because they're like, Hey, I've got this idea, but I'm not technical. Can you help me find some technical? That's like me asking a perfect stranger. Like, Hey, can you give me someone to blind date? Like it's, it's like that. Like how do, I don't know you well enough to say you should get married and build a company that'll probably take you seven years to get to who, who you should go and marry like that. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. It takes time to find a co-founder and what better way than to like be at an event networking and be like, Oh my gosh, I'm working on this really great idea. And someone goes, wow, that's kind of interesting. Let me think about that. You know? And I think those are some of the things that go a long way. Um, and how you meet people and, you know, you keep coming back and then one day someone's going to be like, oh, they'll start recommending you for something amazing because they know you. Wow. So for a nurse who is wanting to step into this background and and what you just said was a hundred percent completely true in the year plus that I've been doing this, like I've literally, if it wasn't based off of the networking and the connections, like just a few months ago, I was able to launch an app just from my podcast that helps the nurses. Actually, if you ain't got time to listen to the whole thing, but you want to know what I talked about, you can click directly to the link or you can go directly to a definition. And that was based off of networking with two guys who can develop an app. Like I had no idea how to do it, but they did and they believed in it. So from your 
from your perspective, if a nurse is trying to step into this realm of technology, maybe they have a great idea or maybe they want to learn mm-hmm. more. Um, what are a few ways to get involved into, like you said, local networking events? Do they need to, um, obviously for me, I go to Google for everything, obviously, but Google. is there certain, <laughs> right, Google, is there certain things that they should be keeping in mind at the networking events? Like, is it something they should learn, like learn how to come up to someone with networking, like, hey, I have this idea, or how should they kind of put package themselves when they are trying to network? Because coming from a nursing world is different than technology. So different. So I should, I feel like in general, obviously nurses, for the most part, we're pretty outgoing. Like we're used to striking up conversations. So Mm -hmm. getting over the fear that, you know, that imposter syndrome that you're in a room and everyone's going to be like, why is that nurse here? Like Mm -hmm. put that aside. And just walk in like the boss that you are, knowing that like eh, if anyone dies here, I can save their life. Okay, damn so right, right. There, you've got like your big girl <laughs> pants on, um, because that's major, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, introductions are really key, and I think that you know, choosing the events you want to go to, anything like once you've researched and understood whatever city you live in, where are the startup events? Where are the pitch competitions? Who's running the incubators? Who's running the accelerators? So, you know, doing a little bit of Google research there, meetup.com. I don't even know if anyone uses that, but it, or knows about it because meetup literally can, yeah, you put in Mm -hmm. your city and it'll be like coders unite, tech people. Hey, I'm building a business. Start going to those things because they're really useful for meeting people. And then in terms of like how to meet people, um, a lot of those organizations will have like pitch night and people always go, okay, I, I'll, I'll say two things about this. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes early stage or new entrepreneurs are so protective of their idea. They're like, I don't want to go to a pitch night because, you know, I'm still tra- trying to figure out how I'm going to build my, my company or my business. Someone's going to steal it. Mm. So I get this question a lot. They're like, you know, I want people to sign NDAs. Like a lot of times people will approach me and they'll be like, I'd love to pick your brain, but please sign this NDA first. I, I, at at this point right now, I can't do that because, you know, I do a lot of investing. Mm -hmm. Um, I see a lot of companies. So, I mean, chances are I've seen that company three times. So last week, because it's just, unless you are working on something so technical and so far into the future that like, it's going to be patented and change the world and no one's ever seen it. It's more likely that, you know, your idea is probably out there, but it's how you are going to build it. That's going to be different in your market, your list, et cetera. So stand up at a pitch night and talk with passion about your idea so that someone comes up to you after and goes, you know what? That is really interesting. Mm -hmm. I'd like to talk more about it with you and ask them in your pitches. Be like, look, you know, um, oftentimes people think when they go to these pitch nights, that you need to ask for money or this. Sometimes the ask is, I'm looking for someone, like a co-founder. I'm looking for a technical co-founder. I'm looking for someone to help me like build out sales. Ask for the partnerships that you need. And that like opens the door for people to come up and start talking to you about it. Come on, Tanya. Can you have a pitch night? All this advice is so deep. I do have a pitch night. We have one every quarter, actually. We do... uh, it's called the Atlanta, it's Infinite Atlanta. It's called the Atlanta Startup Battle. The next one is April 23rd. Um, and actually, we just extended applications. Um, mm-hmm. If someone's really dying to apply, they know where they can find me. I'm Tanya at Tech Square. But um, April 23rd is a $100,000 pitch competition. So it's one of the biggest in the Southeast. We've given away probably about $800,000 since we started Atlanta Startup Battle. 
it's pretty major, pretty major. We've had over 450 applications for this round, and we pick the top 20 who go through a full, you know, pretty rigorous mentoring day, and then we narrow it down to the top five that pitch on stage for $100,000 in front of over 1,000 people. Yeah. It's major. I'm so yeah, glad I did that. I actually did that on purpose. I knew about your pitch idea, but I wanted you to pitch your own pitch ideas. So I was like, come on, come on. Tell me about the one that's coming up April 23rd. Come on. <laughs> yeah, so people, like, I really awesome. want you to buy. That's awesome. Yes, that is so, so good. So what are they, what would they be expecting at this pitch night? Like what kind of, um, also not only just pitching your idea, but like what other, what other things happen at this um, pitch night you guys are going to do on April 23rd? So, I mean, the whole, there's kind of two sides of it. The people who are um, applying to compete mm-hmm. and then the people who are attending. So people that apply to compete, you go through the application. It's on our website, which is atlantastartupbattle.com. Um, finish the application because if you can't finish those questions, you need to, like, really sit down and, like, dig deep to answer those questions to get past. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, we ask yep. you some, it's not that hard, but... Um, so then secondly, we do a part where we do the mentorship day where we break everybody up, the top 15 teams, into about five different modules like product market fit, customer discovery, um, fundraising, uh, UI, UX, and there's probably a couple more that I'm forgetting. And it's like speed dating with really seasoned mentors in the community that really help you you know, hone in and narrow down those parts of your business. So by the time we pick the top five that are on stage, you've got a really strong pitch like we help you i help all i basically we tear those decks down and we rebuild them so once you go on stage it's incredible and then the day consists of we bring in five judges from all across the country the valley boston new york atlanta and they're the judges that basically um judge the pitches Mm -hmm. in front of 100 thousand people in the Atlanta community. And I think there's so much magic in that because you're in a room full of people who are obviously interested in technology, interested in startups. You know, we make it so that it's a networking event. We have an open bar. We have a DJ on top. So you're meeting people in a social scene. It's not just like, hey, tell me about your work. And Mm -hmm. I think that's where the really, the magic and collisions of, you know, networking happen. And I think that's amazing. And I'm like, how long have you guys been doing this? Because this is truly what a lot of the grassroots local communities need. Um, Sometimes people think you have to go big or go home or like, you know, make it to, you know, Southwest by Southwest, uh, the conferences before you can ever be heard. But truly your grass, your local grassroots is where you can really get that support that you need. Yeah. And I mean, I think this is really what we were trying to do with Tech Square. You know, because I think that there's a funnel of really how we can help grow the startup, the startup culture, and it's the early stage entrepreneur. And you know what? For the most part, you know, when you watch that Facebook movie, it's 90 minutes, and you basically Mark Zuckerberg at 23 come up with an idea, and 90 minutes later he's a billionaire. Mm-hmm. Like that's just not how it is. Mm-hmm. It's the slow and like unseen steps from the beginning of like, okay, well I've got this problem. I'm going to put it on a whiteboard. Who am I going to tell about it? How am I going to raise some money? How, where am I going to like, you know, build this out once I have five and six people? Like it's a long time. And for most people, it's not a home run on their first company. Right. I think some of the best entrepreneurs are, you know, like, like our audience today, which is nurses, you have direct experience at something and knowledge about a problem 
something that you want to solve, something that is a pain point to you. And you have to like take that experience and build it into a company. And then you need to add people on top of it that can help you with operations and business development. Like it's such a process and it's such a living, breathing thing that you really need people around you that can help you do that. But where do you find them? So find your people, find your tribe. I, girl, thank you for that. Because sometimes people only see the win, but they don't see the the oh, challenges to get to the win. Yep. You know what I mean? So, of course, yep. people see you now like, oh, yeah, she has it all. She's on TV. She's doing all this stuff. But it's like, um, there was a backstory behind that. There's a, a constant involved. Yes, please, let's do. Because, because that really, for me, know, is big. I I think that that is also a huge thing because, you know, it's, it is hard when people think, oh, man, I want to be an entrepreneur because the life is fabulous. Like, there is so much behind the scenes, you know, angst and this and being an entrepreneur, being a CEO in general. So yes. I started um, I started a company called Limitless Smart Shot. And, you know, it was part of, you know, it came out of, I think, the fact that I had a medical background because I, you know, would be, I would come to work, I'd be with all my friends and we'd be drinking coffee for these 12-hour shifts when, you know, we would really be relying on coffee to make us smarter, sharper, and this. And I'd be like, why isn't there some sort of natural dietary supplement that could help boost my brain performance when Mm -hmm. I'm on the job? Like, you know, football players have Gatorade. Like, I use my brain to be smart. And so I wanted to create a dietary supplement um, beverage that would help do that. So I said, this is a great idea. Let me do this. And, you know, I started it by myself. And it's lonely. It's so lonely. It's so hard. You know, once you even get people around you, they're looking at you like, okay, boss, what's next? What's happening? Are we alive today? What's going on? What's going on? And, you know, it's not easy. It is not easy at all. Um, which is why I believe so much because, you know, nursing is not easy. So nurse mm-hmm. entrepreneurs to me, I just feel like we have such strength already that we've proven that I, I love to bet on them. Yes. And it's true though. It, and thank you for sharing yeah. that because I think a lot of people yeah. don't see that. They think that it's all, you know, the travel, the lifestyle but It's like, you have no idea how many nights you stay up, you know, trying to figure out something, you know, being able to travel from one coast to another coast, you're losing sleep, time with family, but you have something that you know is going to help impact so many other people. And that passion is what keeps you going. Um, even when it's lonely, even when it's hard, even when it's like, Oh, this isn't the cutest Instagram picture I'm a post, but it's yep. real. Yep. This is me, all the edges out, you know, no eyebrows, bam. Yep, take exactly. <laughs> and, um, and I thank you for, uh, for sharing that. So how are you also, because I know, girl, you not only being a nurse and not only being on reality TV, but you are a boss in so many other areas. So I know you're also <laughs> a wonderful organization that you're also helping, you know, small businesses, especially for minority and female founders. Can you tell me more about that and like how you even got into that aspect as well? So um, I think you're talking about Ascend 2020, which is, um, yeah, it is super fantastic. So Tech Square, uh, Morehouse, and J.P. Morgan Chase, we came together um, to launch this Ascend 2020 initiative. And basically, all of us were like, how can we really increase um, small businesses and entrepreneurship directly in like Atlanta? So this is our second cohort. We have 30 entrepreneurs who are working on business building um, ideally with a technology focus or technology enabled. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a broad definition, but that's how I feel, you know, technology 
is really moving the needle these days anyway. So it's a six-month accelerator program. We hold most of our classes, um, you know, for about five hours on Monday evenings every week. And we cover the broad spectrum of teaching, you know, these early-stage entrepreneurs everything from, like, mm-hmm. um, finances, financial modeling, customer discovery is super huge, your business model, um, you know, launching a business, how to get access to capital, how to pitch, like we go through the whole gamut because, you know, I think one of the biggest hurdle that most, I think, early stage entrepreneurs is like, there's no business, they're not, you know, it's not like, hey, I've got three years to go to do an MBA so I can learn how to build a startup. Yes. Like, how can we learn this in an, in an accelerated way so I can get to work building my business? Yeah. Um, so it's an incredible program. We've had some great companies come out of it. Um, Sudo was in our first co- cohort. There um, was an African American founder. Um, he does logistics and um, in the trucking industry, they've raised, I think they've raised over, I don't know how much they've closed, but um, tens of millions for sure. Um, who else was in there? I think that's wow. one of our biggest. Um, now returns another African American female, and she's kind of combating the returns industry mm-hmm. and the logistics between how many um, stores are getting returns and how we can, you know, convert that to um, convert those returns to value. Mm. And amazing things that you know she was in retail for years, and she was like, "This drives me crazy." Wow! And that she went crazy. after that market. Are you yeah. seeing yeah. a lot of more nurses come out into this? Um, into this market as well, entrepreneur and, um, you know, founding organizations. Are you seeing a lot of that? Or you feel like that's an area that we definitely can um, really, really embark on and, and really, you know, show more, show more of a face in. Oh, for sure. For sure. So let me see, where do I start with this? Um, I, I mean, without question, I think that there is so many opportunities and angles. And I just, I think more than anything, how I would answer this is like, really you have to chase something that you have your passion for, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's like the best answer to that question. Like that's follow so what true. your passion is, you know, follow what your background is and know that like whatever you go after, you have to have some sort of secret sauce that you're adding to it. Mm-hmm. Um, despite what profession you're coming from, because there's something inherent to you that can inform your business in a way that no one else can. That's very true. Girl, come on. Where, do you have like a sticky note with all this advice? You just sound, you just got them ready. You got them ready. That's This is like, like, you know, this, this, especially this podcast is like totally speaks to my passion. It's like nursing, entrepreneurship. It's really who I am. So it's easy. Mm-hmm. It's easy to like say the things that come out of my mouth, you know? Because you're authentic in it, and that's truly your passion, just like you've been stating all along. Girl, look, the next time I'm in Atlanta, we're going to have to, like, sit down, and of Please, course... Please, absolutely. Look, I'm going to have you taste my Nigerian jollof rice so you can agree that ours is the best, and... I will never agree to that. It is total <laughs> demand blasphemy. Because we know who makes the best jollof rice. We do. Sure. We'll take it. Green, white, and green forever. Okay. Um, so... <laughs> black stars, black stars. <laughs> As I wrap up our conversation, which has been amazing, I want you to, you know, just 
give us some advice, especially some of our nurses out there that, you know, are really trying to, you know, maneuver their way into the technology field. They don't know where to start. Or my nurses out there who are burnt out and want to give up on their nursing career and not knowing that, hey, I can actually use this in other careers as well. Or even for my nursing students who are like coming up and not knowing that there's so many opportunities in the nursing field and healthcare and in technology they can go into. What kind of advice can you just give these different audience who are listening in encouragement to keep pushing, um, especially coming from a nurse herself? Oh, so first of all, I will say I loved bedside nursing. Like I really, really loved it. I miss it. I miss, you know, it's funny because, you know, sometimes I make the joke where I say I traded up one type of an adrenaline that involved the blood and guts and poop for a different type of startup adrenaline. Mm -hmm. But there's something that is so special about nursing. You know, we always call it a very thankless job. But sometimes you look back and you realize, like, how much thanks you had in that job. You know, because you'll go to another job and there's no place where you can go into a med room and have a cry and someone walk in and be like, are you okay, sis? Are you okay, girl? Mm -hmm. That does not happen in the regular office At place. All. So those are the small things that you just really need to... Um, not take for granted. Now, if you're not working on a floor where you have that type of camaraderie, like go find it. Sometimes that's hard too. Um, but I just feel like I was really blessed. I worked with great people. Um, and when I didn't, I switched jobs. <laughs> but um, I just, I, I, yeah, so I will say that um, those that are in nursing school, nursing school is tough. Like nursing mm -hmm. school is very, very tough. It gets tougher and tougher now because you've got clinicals and you know, I think we're at a specific time in the point of nursing where, you know, especially even when I started, we, everyone's talking about the professionalization of nursing, the professionalization of nursing. And I find that people like bedside nursing really gets a little poo-pooed and looked down upon. Yeah. I just, I really just hold our nurses up on like such a pedestal because we are just incredible. Like we do, we, we really save lives every day and like without us, like, everyone would be dead that's mm -hmm. how it goes that's right. so I commend you but I also think like one of the greatest things about nursing is the portability and shift work is a gift because you have you know days on and days off where you can focus on building a business entirely whereas the rest of the world goes to work from you know nine to five mm -hmm. goes home to their kids and then has two days on the weekend but you've got this like you know, if you are doing shift work, these chunks of time that you can dedicate to something else, that is incredible. That yeah. is really a gift there. Um, so just think about stuff that you, you know, drives you crazy that you would like to see changed in the world. I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast episode. There were so many gems dropped. But let's be honest, who got time to replay, pause, and write down all that information shared? Shoot, I know I don't. But don't worry, I got you. Download Toby Talks app on Google Play for nursing resources, definitions, and so much more that were mentioned on today's episode. Toby Talk app features show notes that timelines the conversation and lets you click directly to the resource or definition. And it even lets you bookmark the gem for later. Listen, we're too busy learning how to save lives or even saving lives as nurses to deal with a replay button. Toby Talk app is your one-stop shop for podcast episodes and show notes. 
For more on Toby Talks, like the blogs and videos, go to my website at www.tobytodge.com. And you know I love to hear from you guys, so feel free to slide into my DMs on IG or Facebook and hit me up through email. That's tobytalks at tobytodge.com. Again, that's tobytalks at tobytodge.com. Till next time, I'll be talking to you soon.